Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Pastor Blake Bells was from the series Press On. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Just week two, we're just getting started. I'm excited about it. Is anybody else excited about it? <laughs> All right, uh, in three people, that's cool. But in, in you know, it, this is about pressing on. And there's times in my life where I've where I've gotten stuck, and I think we can all get stuck sometimes. And there's been times where I'm stuck, and I know that I'm supposed to be pressing on. I know that I'm supposed to press on through this, but I can't. And I, know that, and I know that God's given me the tools to do it. I want to do it. I want to press on, but sometimes we get stuck. Now, um, I remember working in cable in the field. There was, um, I was supposed to go do a job for a new build subdivision. It's out in Lanesville. And, and when I got there, there weren't any houses or anything built. It was just mud everywhere, just mud and then some gravel roads and a little bit of paved roads. But then you just had these cable conduits sticking up, and you had to trudge through all this mud to get to them. So I started walking through the mud, and as I'm walking, you know, the mud's getting deeper and deeper, and it's not like a little bit of mud on your shoes, it's like your shoes disappear type mud. So as I'm walking, I'm, I'm getting, it's getting deeper, and now it's getting to my knees, and I'm, I can, I'm sludging through it, and I'm thinking, man, I hope I don't lose one of my boots today. And, and I remember getting my left leg stuck, and, I, and my boot almost came off, and I got it out, right? But then when I did that, I heard my right leg or my right foot while I was down there, I heard, like, what was that? Well, then I'm trying to move more, and you can just hear, like, suction. Like, they're, like the, the ground is saying, no way you're getting that back, okay? And, and I had, there was a guy working with me, but he wasn't close, and there's just excavating crews, because all that's in the subdivision is, is just mud, and you've got some, maybe some water lines that were there, some power that was underground, and then these underground cable lines. And I'm, and I'm I mean, I'm stuck, cannot move. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm trying to get myself out of there, you know, just kind of doing one of these and just kind of frustrated, kind of laughing, and then a, a crew on the excavator started coming by. And I did what every respectful man would do, and I pretended to not be stuck. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, you know, just I'm cool, and then, you know, got my phone out, and like, you know, now I'm getting mud on my phone, trying to act like I'm doing something and I'm not, and, and you know, I'm totally, totally cool, totally cool. Now the mud's on my face, and, you know, just I'm good, no problem here, and just, just, you know, not one to let anyone know that I need help and I'm stuck, but I, I was straight up stuck and embarrassed. And then eventually I get to where um, my buddy Frank is working, right? Or Frank starts to get closer to me. Now, Frank, he's a guy that's been in cable a long time. He's an old cable dog. He's, he, he's forgot more about cable than I've learned, and he knows this. And he's got this thing that he does that's like really annoying when he catches you not knowing something. He's like, oh, really? You didn't know that? I can't believe you didn't know that. How'd you, how'd you not know that? And you're just like, no, I didn't know it, okay? But that's Frank, and that's who I was working with that day. So he gets close, and I'm kind of like, I need help. So he comes over to me, and there's a little, like, patch of dry, you know, that it, where, the, where the sun had kind of dried it out. And he, so he's, you know, like six feet from me, trying to, like, help me out, like I'm stuck in quicksand. And he's handing me a shovel. So he's giving me the shovel, and he's pulling, and I'm trying to grab on what I can and pulling so much that, like, I can feel like my hip like, like, I feel like it's going to come out of socket for a second. And I just, I, I, I almost just let go and let Frank fall. But instead, I was like, stop, stop. You know, because I could feel it. It was hurting, right? And he was like, why don't you just get those people on the excavator to help you? And I said, I'm not asking them for help. I don't want them to know. 
And, and I knew, like, and Frank was like, Blake, just one scoop, just one scoop next to you, and that's going to free you up. And I said, we are not going to ask them for help. <laughs> and I realized I was desperate at this point because I was, like, resorting to, like, Jedi mind tricks. I was like, you will not ask them to help us, you know? <laughs> and, and eventually, like, he just left me with the shovel and just kind of left me in my self-pity. And I, like, literally just picked away with that shovel till I could, you know, squirm away and get out and get unstuck. Okay, it's extremely hard to press on when we are stuck. And God has given us tools, okay? He's given us relationships and people to help us through our times to press on. And that's where we see Paul here today. You see, Paul in Philippians, what has happened is, is he has been arrested. Arrested for, arrested for spreading the gospel. And the church of Philippi, they've helped him out financially in this time because he's on in-house arrest. He's waiting for an appeal to go to Caesar, at this point, and he is in in-home arrest, and the church of Philippi has helped him out financially, and here we see Paul in Philippians. Today, we're going to be in chapter 1. We're going to go in verses 7 through 11. Oh, would you all please stand as we read? I know you've been standing. Let's stand again. Give God some honor as we read from his word. This is in page 980 in the Bible underneath your seat, and it says this, verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Lord Jesus, we just ask right now that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Father. We pray that you will guide us as, as, as I preach, Father. I pray that you will move me aside and you will speak through me, Lord, and your word will be eliminated, illuminated to people, Lord, so they can see you, Lord. It's in your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ. We ask that you add your blessing to the reading and the hearing of your word. Amen. You all can have a seat. So you look at this and you think, Paul isn't stuck. Paul isn't stuck here. He's, you know, he's, he, he's physically stuck. He's, he's in chains, but spiritually, man, he's pressing on. And, but, but shouldn't he be stuck? I mean, if I was put in jail for any amount of time, I'm pretty sure my first letter or call to, to probably it'd be like Nikki or something, or if I was, let's say I was reaching out to Forward Church, I'd be like, I'm not happy here. I'm not comfortable here. No one likes me. They're not very nice. Uh, uh, I don't like the food. It would be all about me. It would be very self-centered. But Paul, I mean, if you look at what we've read so far through what Pastor Neil preached last week and, and through what we're seeing here, Paul's focused on, he's focused on the church of Philippi. He's focused on Jesus. That's his focus. It's not about him. He's not concerned about it. And if anyone has a reason to be upset, it's him. I mean, he was, he was being faithful to God. And he ended up in chains, he ended up in prison, and now he could be concerned thinking about himself, but he's not, he's pressing on, okay? He has an attitude of gratitude, okay? I would have an attitude like of what my, my, my uh, little kids, what their mimi calls, uh, gratitude, okay? That's what I would have, okay? I would just be sitting there feeling sorry for myself, but Paul is pressing on, okay? He's pressing on, and he attributes this to two things, okay? Or he, he gives this credit to two different things in his life. In his, in his, while he's talking, he's giving it credit to Jesus Christ and his fellow believers. That is why he can press on. That is what he is celebrating while he is in this time. He is celebrating his believers and Jesus Christ, the saving grace of Jesus and those who partake in that grace with him. 
That's what, he, that's what his focus is on. And you'll notice that here at Forward, we push both of those. The saving grace of Jesus Christ and connection with believers. And the reason we do that, the reason we push this so much connection and the grace of Jesus Christ is because that is what is going to help us press on. Especially in times where we're feeling, where we're feeling stuck. You know, there's something to this iron sharpens iron thing. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It strengthens us. Okay, it strengthens us. Now, um, I've, been, I've been in gyms and working out for a long time, and I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of gym partners. Okay, I've had, I've had um, uh, MMA fighters. I've had bodybuilders. I've had uh, like four pastors. <laughs> I've had uh, just quite a few people that I've worked out with over the years that I've had as gym partners. And I can tell you, if you read any magazine or if you, or if you do any research, and in my own personal experience, the best thing about a gym partner is they're going to increase your intensity and they're going to increase your consistency, okay? And your spiritual life is no different, okay? When you make connections with people, what you receive is consistency and, uh, consistency, and then you will have intensity, now, there's a big difference between reading the Bible consistently and reading the Bible occasionally. There's a difference there. When we find connection, just like someone who trains, you're going to have a lot more results if you do something consistently as opposed to occasionally. And the people that excel at things in their life, people that excel in any category, is because they were willing to do something consistently that other people are only willing to do occasionally. Now, do you think that our spiritual life could use some consistency? And then the second thing that you receive with connection with a gym partner is, is intensity. Okay, we could use some spiritual intensity. And that's what separates an elite-level athlete, someone who's willing to get to the next level because they trained consistently at an intense level. Okay, and that's what connection allows us to do. When you have two things, you are able to press on. Okay, and Paul is thriving. He's pressing on, and he's attributed to these, you know, he's in this tough, stressful situation, but he talks about grace, and he talks about connection. That's what helps him, okay? And there's such a major, um, it's a, like a, like attachment, okay, connection between grace and connecting. And it's because if you miss grace, if you don't understand grace, if you miss grace, you'll miss connection. Okay, in your life, you have to understand grace. It's imperative to point, to point this out because the, there's a major connection. If you miss grace, you'll miss connection. When we understand grace, we don't feel adequate and we start to put up walls. Okay, if you don't understand how forgiven you are and how incredible you are in God's eyes, if you can't see yourself as something special, then it affects the way that people see you. Okay, there's a lady that I know. Um, I walked up on a group of people, a few people, okay, and they were talking about this lady. And, and what they were saying about her um, was that sometimes she can just be very hard to deal with, very unreasonable, okay? The words that they were saying was like, this lady can be nasty, okay? She can be nasty, and being around her is like a roller coaster. It's just, you know, just you don't know where you're going to be. You can be up here with smiles, and the next second, you're down here getting ridiculed, or you're getting the silent treatment. And they were just saying that how, how rough it was. Now, I'm not talking about my mother-in-law. I just want to make sure we, you know... <laughs> <laughs> just joking, just joking. Uh, love you, Rachel. Hey, which, which reminds, while I'm thinking about it, how about, that, how about that worship director? Can we give him a hand? 
Can we get I'm excited about what God's doing through him. <clears throat> I think he's doing, I'm excited about what he's doing. Not what he's going to do, but what he's doing. So um, just excited about that. Actually, when it, I think we can fit this in the certain. No one's off limits today, okay? So we're going to talk about Sean for a second. Can I tell a story about Sean? So Sean, he, uh, I've known him since he was, since he was young, since he was, a, uh, since he was probably middle school, then high school. And do you all remember, does anyone remember Sean when he had dreads? Sean had dreads, man, okay? And, and I, knew, I knew Sean for a long time. Let me tell you what connection does for you, okay? So Sean, you know, we, I've connected with Sean. Me and Sean have worked out together. He was, um, he, uh, we've been in small group together. We've prayed together. So he felt like he could come to me for some solid, solid spiritual advice, right? So he came to me one day and he said, Blake, I need your honest opinion. And I said, okay. You know, and then he said, he's like, honest opinion, what do you think about the dreads? And I didn't fast, okay? I didn't stop him and say, let me pray about it. Here's what I said. I said, man, like, and he was single at the time. And I said, man, uh, here's the deal. You know, that, that girl, that pretty girl, she's going to show up. And she's going to see you playing. He was playing in a band at the time. And I think in church, too, at the time. And, um, and, and I said, she's going to see you, you know, in those dreads rocking out and the drums. And she's going to be like, man, he is far from, or he is, he is looking good from afar, okay? Looking good from afar. And then, and then, the, and then, then the thing is that she's going to get up on those dreads, man. And she's just going to be like, this is far from looking good. <laughs> and, and so, so I want you to know, like, I mean, look at him now, man. Look at him. He's married, got a pretty wife, got a kid, you know, all because of connection. Even, even, <laughs> even leading worship now, all because all of me. Anyways, okay, so, <laughs> anyways, what, what was I talking about? Okay, anyway, so there was, get connected. So there was, all right, so there's this lady, right, and she, and the people, they were having this conversation, which I don't know if it was a healthy conversation, but the stuff that they were saying was pretty factual about this woman. And they were just saying, man, she can be nasty. She can, she can just be like straight up hateful. Like it's a word that you could describe her. And it's just, we don't understand this. And, and I chimed in and said, look, here's the thing. You see it as a roller coaster when we're with her. You see it as a roller coaster because you've got these high points and then all of a sudden just drop down low. But here's what you have to understand. I think that she operates down here. And the points that we see where she's happy and she smiles and stuff, it's just because she's mustered up just enough strength to crack a smile and crack a joke. And then soon as soon as she starts to start dwelling on things, on herself, then all of a sudden she's back down here. And, and I wanted to let them know that, look, I think that she truly loves us. I think she truly loves you guys. But here's the thing, okay? It is extremely hard to give love and to receive love when you don't love yourself. Okay, and what she had in this situation is, is that it was like a roller coaster, okay, but you have to understand that God has not only forgiven your sins, and a lot of us are like, yeah, we're saved, we know that God forgave us our sins, but we don't understand that our sins have been forgotten, that they haven't been, that they are remembered no more, and we start to, and we, we have to grasp that concept, or we will put up walls, we will feel like we don't measure up, because if you think that your sins aren't forgotten, then you'll feel like you aren't truly loved. And then when Jesus has love and forgiveness for you, instead of feeling love and forgiveness, you walk around feeling guilt and shame. Okay, and when you're feeling guilt and shame, you will not make connection because it affects the way you view yourself. And when you have a tainted view of yourself, you will have a tainted view of how people view you. And next thing you know, you're starting to put bubbles over people's heads. 
Okay, you're starting to put bubbles over people's heads. When people aren't even considering you or thinking or even thinking about that, you start thinking, well, they, they can see straight through me. I don't want to speak up because they're going to think less of me. Or you don't even realize it, but you start building walls. Okay, and you're just thinking, I don't, I don't need them. And next thing you know, you're like me in the mud that day. And you're just stuck there, but you're, you're not going to tell anyone. And you're not going to reach out to the, to the people that has God around you. He's not, you're not going to reach out to him. And you start to just convince yourself, not even knowing it, but you start to convince yourself, you know what, I'm happy here. I kind of like being alone in the mud. I like hanging out in the swamp. This is my comfort zone. I don't need connection. I can do this on my own. I'm just fine. Give me that little pick shovel. I can get out on my own. You know what? I don't need that. I'll just hang out here. I'm like Shrek. Okay, just call me Shrek. I just want to be alone in my swamp because I'm an ogre. Okay? And that's the way we find ourselves, just, just wanting to be alone because we've got this guilt and this shame. And you may be saved you may be saved. You may believe that, that you're loved by Jesus, but deep down you still feel guilt and shame. And it's, and it's like, like a household. I don't know how you're all's household. I grew up, I was a 90s kid. So I, grew, I was born in 85. So in the 90s, I was kind of growing up and getting to my teen years. By the time I was a teenager, it was the 2000s. But in the 90s, people would do like the rudest thing, okay? My dad was a pastor and it wasn't perceived as rude then. It would just be perceived as rude now. Like when someone is in the neighborhood and just stops by. Okay, that happened in the 90s. It doesn't happen now. People call you and let you know and you set things up. But back then, we didn't have cell phones. and People just showed up. And you had this protocol where, you know, mom and dad would like, you know, the door would ring and kids are like sliding to the door in their socks and stuff and trying to look out and dad's moving you out of the way. But like we knew that it was time to go clean the house, get it looking good. Because you didn't want, you know, and they just ran interference and they didn't want anyone coming in the house because you didn't want it to look like someone lived there because that would be horrible. Okay? But we do that with our relationships because we've all got these messes inside. And when people knock at the door, we're just like, no, I can't let them in. I can't, I can't let them see it. I got to clean it up. And the reality is, is that we've all got stuff going on inside. We've all got it. Okay, and if anyone had something to be ashamed of, to feel like they had no reason to connect or no, um, no right to connect with believers, it'd be Paul. It'd be Paul, the person who's writing this, because he was the persecutor of Christians. Okay, before he came to Christ, before Christ came to him and showed up on him, he was persecuting Christians, on his way to persecute Christians. If you look at um, Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 8, just at the end of Acts chapter 7, Stephen was martyred, okay? And Acts chapter 8 starts with this statement, and Saul approved of his execution. Acts chapter 8, 1 through 3 goes on to say, and there arose on that day great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and had great lamentation over him, but Saul, okay, that's Paul before, they, before his name was changed, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. He was a persecutor of Christians. And now he's became a Christian. He's spreading the gospel, but he's in chains. And if anyone should just be feeling like they are lonely and they have no right for anyone to care about them, no, one, no reason for anyone to love them, just feeling guilty and saying, this is what I deserve. I should just be stuck here in the swamp. Leave me alone. Let me die. That's Paul. That's what he should be doing, right, from our perception. But you see, Paul, Paul understood grace. 
He understood grace incredible. He understood grace so much that he was willing to give grace. And just like last week, Pastor Neil said, don't let your sins define you. Let Jesus refine you. Don't let your sins define you. Let Jesus refine you. And that's Paul. You see, he believed that Jesus Christ really did die for him. Jesus changed his life. And instead of becoming a persecutor of Christians, he wanted to build into Christians. And he felt like he was worthy to do this because he knew that Jesus Christ made him worthy on the cross. He knew that Jesus Christ had lived a perfect life. And Jesus Christ, everything we do banks on him. And he didn't worry about his past. You don't hear Paul continuously talk about his past because he knows that Jesus Christ has given him a new identity. And we all have that same identity. And if you look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24... Paul grasped this extremely well, okay? Matthew 16, verse 24, it says, and then Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. He says, if anyone would come, af anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And we look at this and, and we say, okay, I have to deny myself. I have to, to put my needs and wants aside and, and focus on what God wants for me. And I need to shift my focus and don't live for myself anymore and live for God. That's denying myself. And, and I think that that's great, but here's the breakdown, okay? We are all in this, and, we, and what we do sometimes, the breakdown comes when we begin focusing on denying the self that calls us to sin, when we should be denying the self that calls us a sinner, do you see that? Don't just deny the self that is causing you to sin, that calls you to sin. We have to deny the self that still causes a sinner. After we receive Jesus Christ, we're supposed to let that guy die. Okay, that is not of God. And sometimes we come before God and we're like, I'm not worthy. I'm a mess. I'm just, I'm just this, this, this messed up person and, and everything's messed up. And God, you're awesome. And God's looking at us like, well, you got one thing right. You got one part of that right. I am awesome. And God is so awesome that he doesn't need us to cut ourselves down so that he can be awesome. Okay, God died for us. We need to let that self that still calls you a sinner, that makes you feel like you're not loved, you need to let that person die. Okay, you need to let, deny that person. Okay, and then that is going to help us press on. Okay, Paul understood that he was forgiven. He understood that, he's, that Jesus wants us to, to have life and to have it abundantly. And Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He understood he was completely forgiven despite his past. Completely forgiven. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Is this old news to us? Okay, do we, do we believe that? And we know that Paul knew this and he grasped this so much, okay, that he understood that, that his Fellow brothers and sisters in Christ had this grace as well. That's why Philippians 1.7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. We are all in this together, and we've all received this same grace. And he knew that it was awesome. And he doesn't say it like we're some sort of elitist that never mess up and are never going to mess up. He just has confidence in it because he knows that Jesus never messes up. And he didn't mess up when he chose you either. Because we have this salvation through him, and that's what Paul recognizes here. And that's why he is able to get past the thing that he's done in his life. Okay, because we, he understands that, that we are people that have messed up, but we can celebrate because we have this new identity in Jesus Christ. And, that's, and you see, the second you choose Jesus Christ, the second you choose to follow him, you become just as worthy 
to be in the presence of God as anyone that has walked this earth, including Jesus. Like, should I duck after saying that? Okay, because that's something that you feel like you should get like stoned for or something, right? You have every right to be in the presence of God just as Jesus because what Jesus has done. Okay, I didn't make this up. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, uh, for our sake, that he knew no sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might what? Become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God. We should not walk around with guilt and shame. Okay, Jesus didn't go to the cross so that we could receive guilt and shame, but so that we could receive love and mercy. We become the righteousness of God. And if we are able to be in the presence of God, if we are worthy to be in the presence of God, then there isn't a connect group in this church or any other church that you can't be in. Okay, there isn't a person that you aren't worthy to connect to. You see, Paul, he was able to give and receive love because he knew that through, through the grace of Jesus, he was loved by the most powerful force in the universe. And when you understand that you are loved by the one who is love, you're a lot less concerned about what people think. And we go from a posture of, of looking at our phones and, and not wanting people to recognize us, and we have this preconceived notion that, that I'm just going to look at this phone and I'm going to be quiet and, and no one's going to come talk to me so that it can fill my, con- fulfill my conceived notion that no one's going to come talk to me <laughs> and no one's going to approach you because you're completely unapproachable. And we go from that to instead of thinking people are going to judge me, to understanding that there's people in our peripherals, there's people around us, and we're not concerned about what people are thinking about us anymore because we're more concerned about them receiving grace. And we start to live openly instead of this closed life. And we start to say, I don't want to be stuck in the mud. I want to get out of the mud, and I want people to share in this pressing on and this grace that I've received. And that's where Paul is coming from because Paul understands that you can't love like Jesus until you've allowed yourself to be loved by Jesus. And Paul has allowed Jesus to love him. He has embraced the love that God has given us. And Philippians 1.8 says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And you look at that and think, that's a bit much, Paul. That's kind of a stretch. You, you yearn for people just like Jesus does. You're saying you love people like Jesus does. But isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we're supposed to do is allow our hearts to be changed so that we can love like Jesus, to receive love so that we can love? That's what it's all about, to be loved by Jesus and love like Jesus. That's what it is. And then Paul concludes, or he goes on with a prayer. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. See, Paul's prayer is that we will experience Jesus, that we will experience Jesus' love and grace and that we will be able to show Jesus' love and grace through our experience. But we have to take it on for ourselves. We have to embrace it. We have to understand what he has done for us. And there is no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. And his hope is that we can live in such a way, showing the fruits of the Spirit, that people then begin to see our lives, and they don't just, they just, just want a part of that, but they want to connect with that. They want to connect with what Jesus has done in our lives. And here in a second, we're going we're gonna to close down and the, and the band's going to come up. And, and I, just, I was reading this week about, it was in uh, Kings, yeah, 1 Kings chapter 18, where Elijah is, is meeting with the, um, he, he, he basically, there's a, uh, 
showdown between him and 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Okay, and, and here on Mount Carmel, you've got Elijah, you've got these 450 prophets of Baal. And what they do is they set up altars here. And Elijah, they set up altars and they slay these oxes and they put these oxes up on the, on the altar and, Paul, and, they, and they have a, to see whose God's going to light, whose God is going to send fire down and set these altars on fire. That's what we have. So then these, uh, if you know this or if you know what happens, the, uh, the false prophets of Baal, they start from morning till noon, right? They start from morning till noon, and they're, they're crying out to their false god Baal, and they're just wanting to see, wanting to see fire come down. And, and Elijah begins to kind of taunt them. He kind of showboats a little bit, and he's like, hey, maybe, maybe, he's, maybe your god's taking a nap. Maybe he's, maybe he's using the restroom. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe you should yell a little bit louder. And the thing is, is that the prophets of Baal did just that. Okay, they got louder. But they didn't just get louder. They started to cut themselves. They started to cut themselves down, and, and, and it said blood began to pour out from them, okay? They took knives to themselves trying to get attention, trying to get attention from their God. And then you have the prophet of the Most High, the prophet of the one true God, and what does he do? He prays a, a fairly simple prayer, and he says, God, would you hear me? He says, God, would you just, would you hear me, and would you let the people know that you're turning their eyes towards you? that you're turning their faces towards you. Just hear me. And the next thing you know, fire came down and he set the altar on fire and God showed up. And the thing is, is we feel like we have to, you know, that this altar sometimes is for just tearing ourselves down. And we feel like in order to get God's attention sometimes, we have to tear ourselves down and lacerate our self-worth to get his attention. But you have to understand that it's not about us making a sacrifice to get his attention because we had his attention when he made the great sacrifice for us. And when he made that great sacrifice for us, he was telling us, I see you, I hear you, I love you. And if there's anything we need to leave on this altar, it's that self that says, I'm a sinner and I'm not good enough to receive God's grace. And if, if that's any of you in here, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you and, and we're going to have a time open for invitation. And if you want to come up here and pray, this altar is for adoration. It is for strength. It is for you to pour yourself out for God. If there's things in your life that you need to get rid of, then come up here and get rid of them. But we do this not because we're trying to get God's attention, but because we have his attention already. So if you have anything and you want to pour yourself out, we do that in response to this God that loves us and has already said, I will make you clean and I will remember your sins no more. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you and, and I just thank you for everyone in this, in this place, Lord Jesus. These people that have come today in the, in the, in the crazy weather, Lord, and, and I pray right now that you will direct everyone's hearts towards you. Just as Elijah the prophet prayed, he prayed, let them see that, I am, that I'm directing their hearts towards you, Lord. I pray that you, will, that, you, that you will direct their hearts towards you, Father. I pray that you will let them see how much you love them, how much you care about them, Lord Jesus, and how much you desire for them to press on, and you have provided tools, Lord, and you have salvation for anyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. And you are there, Lord. We don't have to cut ourselves down to make you big because you're already big. You are incredible, and you are awesome, God. We pray, Lord, that you will meet us here, Lord, 
but you will meet us here, Lord Jesus, because we can't do this without you. We can't do life without you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you will show up in this place, Lord Jesus, and that your fire will fall. The service, the message is over, Lord, but you're not done, Lord. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue the series, Press On. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.